ready, Dr. Failert? All right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. What a treat to see each and every one of you here today. And to everyone who's tuning in on Facebook and YouTube, welcome and good morning to you. Let's stand together and let's worship our awesome God. Here we go. All right, let's sing, church. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Gloria, Gloria. Glory in the highest. Glory in the highest Jesus. Glory in the highest Jesus. Glory
of heaven, come down. King of heaven, come down. Let your glory reign, shining like the day. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, rise up. Who can stand against us? You are strong to save in your mighty name, King of heaven, come. Amen. He is strong to save, and I am so thankful that he came. Uh, So this next uh, song, the first Noel, most of us, if not all of us, are aware of it. But are you aware of what the word Noel means? Uh, It is actually derived from the Latin word natalis, which means birth. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, now that I've given you something to think about as you're going to sleep tonight, uh, the original version of this carol actually dates back to the 17th century. And the version that we know and sing today, the one we're going to do right now, Uh, was completed in the uh, early 1800s. But, with that said, the message is timeless. Because the announcement of the birth of our Savior 2,000 years ago, it was good news then, and it's good news today. This is the first Noel.
Sorry about that. Uh, so everybody can have a seat if you'd like to. I, I'd just like to uh, thank you, everybody, for coming today, being with us. You are, uh, we just want you to know that you are welcome. If you are watching from Facebook, if you're watching from YouTube, we're really glad you could join us today. Uh, I want to I share with you a couple of verses. Uh, first of all, I just want to say I loved that song. I really did. I, I love that song. It's like I don't often get chill bumps when I listen to music, but I just felt chill bumps as I was listening to that today. So I want to just say a special thank you to our worship team. So, and thank you to Dan because Dan and to Joe because they keep everything going up here. So, uh, uh, real quickly, I want to read for you a couple of Bible verses and then I want to lead us in, uh, share with you a couple of words and I want to lead us in a time of prayer. The Bible says this the Lord foils the plans of the nations. Okay? Nations have plans. They do. They have plans. And sometimes the plans of nations aren't always in alignment with the plans of God. By the way, you know why the plans of nations aren't always in alignment with God? Because sometimes people's plans are not always in alignment with God. And what the Bible says, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of uh, the peoples. And this is this, but the plans of the Lord stand forever. Did you know that? That God's plan stands forever. Nothing, nothing can get in the way of what, if God plans it, it's going to happen. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. I believe that God has a special purpose and plan for your life. I do. I believe, I don't believe there's anybody here today, I don't believe there's anybody here watching 
this video, watching this live feed, I don't believe there's anyone that God doesn't have a purpose for them and a plan for them. In fact, did you know if you go back and you read through the book of Exodus, the Bible says that God even had a purpose for Pharaoh. It does. That's what the Bible says. That he had a purpose. He raised him up so that the glory of God could be shown through him. God has a purpose. God has a plan. By the way, did you know that we can resist God's purpose for our lives? The, the Bible tells us in, in the Gospels, I can't remember which Gospel it is. I think it may be Luke. Maybe I'm thinking Luke because I'm preaching on it today. But it says that it says of the religious leaders of Jesus' day that they rejected God's purpose for their lives. But I believe that God has a purpose and God has a plan for each of us. And what I believe that God wants for you and me, I believe that God wants us to, uh, to experience spiritual renewal. I, I, I think every day I take time to read the Word of God. Joy and I, we do this together. Well, actually, we're in separate rooms. But we spend time every morning just reading the Word of God, listening to God, spend time praying. And for us, it's a very important part of our daily rhythm just to begin our day seeking spiritual renewal in our lives. And I believe that coming together as the people of God every week to worship God, uh, seeking spiritual renewal in our lives, that's something that I think is so important for us. And, and one of the things that we do and is a priority for us as a church is, is we like to begin every month, the first Sunday of the month, in prayer. Uh, just seeking spiritual renewal for our lives, revival for our lives and for our church. And, and I believe that a, a very important aspect of experiencing spiritual renewal and revival is understanding and embracing God's purpose for you. We don't want to be like the religious leaders of Jewish Day who rejected God's purpose for their lives. We want to be people who embrace God's purpose for our lives. And so what we're going to do is, is we want to kick off the new year seeking to know, seeking to understand better God's purpose for our lives. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do 40 days of purpose. That's We're going to do the spiritual growth campaign. Uh, I'm going to ask you, we'll kick it off on, on January the 8th. Uh, and what we'll be doing is we'll be reading daily, a reading uh, from the Purpose Driven Life. And I'm going to publish, uh, we're going to put out a little, I don't know what you call it. What? What my wife said, a, a daily reading plan. Uh, we're going to put it out here. I think it'd be wise for me to put it in, in an email blast to you as well. But we're going we're gonna to send that out to you. We're going to have uh, five different groups, uh, I believe, that we're going to have where uh, every week we will discuss what we're learning together. And then every Sunday, I'm going to bring to you a message that, where we are looking at and talking about God's purpose and plan uh, for, for our lives. And so we're going to be, uh, we've got five different group leaders. I think Carolyn's going to be leading a group. Matt's going to be leading a men's group. Joy's going to be leading uh, a women's group. I think the Clausens Rich is actually going to be leading. Are y'all leading together or how y'all doing that? Rich is leading at the Clausen's house, okay? Uh, but it's still a partnership. And then the Acords are going to be leading a group. I, I can't think that there are any other groups besides that. But if you are interested, I would love to see everybody in our church plugged into a group. I really would. I'd love to see all of us together, uh, reading together. Because I honestly think when we're all doing it together in 40 days, seeking God, 
40 days seeking to understand his purpose plan for our lives, I believe that we can kick off the new year experiencing something like spiritual renewal in our lives and in our church. So let me pray for us real quick, and then we'll continue. Oh, no. Uh, then I'll do the greeting time. So let me, let me pray for us. Uh, God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. God, you do have a purpose. You have a plan. Uh, and, and your purpose and plan is to redeem a lost humanity. And, 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 Lord, this is what we celebrate on Christmas, is that the fullness of God took on the fullness of our humanity so that we would have an atoning uh, sacrifice in the purpose of Jesus. God, we do want to experience spiritual renewal in our lives. Lord, we don't want to be like the religious people of Jesus' day who rejected God's purpose and plan for their lives. We want to be people who embrace your purpose, your plan for our lives. And so, Lord, right now, I I pray that today you would renew us in this time of worship where we seek not to be entertained in any way by uh, by the music, but that, that for us, this is not a service we consume, but this is a service that we render to you, that we want to give you our worship. And we, need, we want to give you our wholehearted worship today, God. And Lord, we want to remove from our lives and we want to confess any and every idol of the heart. And we want to turn to you wholeheartedly. We want to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We want to worship you. God, we want to hear from you today. We want to hear from your word. Lord, we want to, to receive your word the way uh, Mary received that first word uh, from Gabriel at the first Christmas. We want to be like that. God, I pray for renewal in our lives. I pray for revival in our church. I pray for spiritual awakening in our community and our nation. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, greet the people around you. Uh, and I'd like to know, uh, maybe ask a neighbor what their faith... I, I said I really loved uh, Noel, uh, the first Noel, whatever. Uh, find out what, what their favorite their favorite Christmas song is or something that's more interesting to you, okay?
right, folks, let's make our way back to our seats here. And uh... <clears throat> so this next song um, is one most of us are probably familiar with. And according to my records, we did it 32 weeks ago. I'm sure you're keeping track as well. Not something that we would normally do at Christmas time, but you know what? I think when the uh, Tim Hughes who wrote this, I don't know if he actually set out to write a Christmas song, but it kind of has that vibe. Light of the world, you came down, you stepped down into our darkness. And then in verse 2, humbly you came to the earth you created. So I just, I really think that this song just celebrates the message of Christmas, and I think it just felt like an appropriate thing to do. So without further ado, let's do it. Here we go. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. King of all days. King of all days. Oh, so highly exalted. Glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created. All for our sake became poor. Here I am. Here I am. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Here I time church here i am to worship here i am to bow down here i am to say that you're my god 
to do this season and all year long. Thank you so much, Lord, for who you are, for all you have done and are doing. We love you so much and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Have a seat, everybody. All right. Amen. Pardon me while I sit up here real quick. All right. Everybody got your Christmas shopping done? Okay. Well, better than me. So. All right. So, uh, so we're doing a series right now called uh, Christmas Stories, and uh, today I'm going to preach from two Bibles. There's a reason for that. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, you know, I think it's good for us to remind ourselves of the mighty acts of God. I do. I, I, I think that we need to be constantly reminded of the mighty acts of God. And I, I think that sometimes when we become very familiar with certain stories of the Bible, we can fail to see them with fresh eyes. I, I, I believe that. I, I believe this is part of the challenge for many guys in ministry, uh, preaching around Christmas time and also around Easter, is because you're preaching a very familiar story that's very familiar to people. And so being able to help people see it with fresh eyes is always a challenge. The, uh, but there, I, have, I believe, it's really interesting to me, is I went back, and I looked at a couple of other times where I preached on this text, and it's interesting to see how the way I've preached has changed each time. And the reason that it's changed is not because the text has changed. It's because I've changed. It's because I've grown. And I really believe that, 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 that being able to just rehearse and remind ourselves of the mighty acts of God is so important for us. And to be able to look at these stories with, with fresh eyes is really important for us. So today what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And uh, I'm just going to read that for us, pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into the text. In Luke chapter uh, 1, uh, verse 26, the Bible says, uh, and I'm reading here from the NIV text. Uh, if you have your Bible, open up to it. If you've got it on your phone, look at it on your phone. You might want to refer back to it from time to time. And, of course, it's going to be on the screen for you right now as I read. But, but Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, the, at his words and wondered, literally pondered, what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, which means the Lord saves. He will be great, and he will uh, be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, 
And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, uh, since, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary responded, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. God, today what my prayer for us is, is that we would... I ask God that you would give us the heart and mind of of Mary. I do. I I pray that we'd be people who really ponder the message that we are receiving. That we would be people, God, that we would be, be people who are insatiable learners. Seeking to grow in discernment. Seeking to grow in understanding. Seeking to grow in wisdom. Seeking to grow in knowledge and understanding of who you are and what you have done for us. And what Christmas is really all about. God, help us to be like Mary. People who humbly surrender to your purpose and plan for our lives. God, today I ask you to open our minds... Help us open our hearts. Help us to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand, and to apply your word to our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. You know, um, <clears throat> there's a, this text to me is kind of interesting. I, 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 just for, for many, many reasons. Uh, and, and, and what I want us to do is I just want to take a little bit of time, not a lot of time. I will preach shorter this week than last week, okay? I went back and listened to last week's message. I will finish a lot earlier. I apologize. Um, I think there's some really major takeaways here. I think these takeaways are important uh, for how we think. I think they're really important for how we live. And four things I want you to see. And the first one is simply this. God works through unlikely people in unlikely ways. Did you know that? God works through unlikely people. Uh, he, he works through unlikely people in unlikely places. He does. He, he works through unlikely people in unlikely places and in unlikely ways. That, that, that Mary, you know, she wasn't a princess. She wasn't, she wasn't a Disney princess living in a palace. She was a very ordinary person. She was. She was a commoner. It's really fascinating. I, I think in some religious traditions, in some religious traditions, and, and I don't want to knock people, and what they believe. But I think when there's a departure from the Word of God, I think we have to speak to that. I really do. I, I don't believe that, that Mary is to be glorified like she is like God or like next to God. I really don't. Because that doesn't do justice to the biblical text. She was a commoner. She was a peasant. She was, it's so fascinating. I looked up, I googled Mary yesterday for images. 
And it's fascinating when you see all these pictures of the Virgin Mary. It's really fascinating. It's, it's amazing how many people think she was white. It's amazing how many people think that, you know, she was, I don't know, maybe 30 years old. That's not Mary. Mary was a peasant girl. Did you know that the age of betrothal in Israel at this time was age 12? That it was not uncommon for a girl at 12 years of age to be betrothed. That, and some of you, you're shaking your head. You're like, no, that can't be. It was perfectly normal to them. In fact, they would look at us and what we do, and they'd be like, you guys are weird. Why do you wait so long to get married? What, what they, so it doesn't mean that a, a girl was always betrothed at age 12, but it was not uncommon. Uh, she might be 13. Uh, when you get, start getting up around 14, she's getting close to being an old maid, you know. Uh, and it was betrothal. Their betrothal was different from our uh, engagement. It was much more serious, you know. Uh, it, it was much more serious. In fact, you were legally married when you were betrothed. The, the betrothal could only be broken uh, by getting an official divorce due uh, to the sexual unfaithfulness uh, of one member uh, of that married party. Uh, that in, in The betrothal period lasted for about a year. And then at the end of that year, uh, then the husband would come. He would prepare a place for his wife. This is really fascinating. He would, he would prepare a place for his wife. And he would come from a, for his bride at a time she did not expect. Did you know that? Yeah. Does this sound like the second coming of Jesus? It's exactly what it sounds like. He comes for his bride at a time she does not. He, he is preparing the place for her. By the way, these are the words of Jesus. Is I am preparing a place for you. And he says, I will come again for you. It's very much betrothal marriage type language. That we, the church, are the bride of Jesus. Mary was to be the bride of Joseph. They were betrothed, but they had not come, yet come together and consummated their marriage. She was a very, very young girl. She probably had very dark skin, uh, at least an olive complexion, maybe darker, dark eyes, dark hair. She was a Palestinian Jewish peasant girl. She probably was not, like, strikingly beautiful. She was probably just kind of an ordinary gal. She was not... Um, she was just... A person, but she was a person who had a heart that was surrendered to God. And what God likes to do is he likes to work through ordinary people, unlikely people. People like you. People like me. God delights in using ordinary, unlikely people in unlikely places. Could there be a more unlikely place than Nazareth? The announcement of the, of the birth of the Savior of the world, it, it's not Jerusalem. I mean, you know, doesn't that kind of make sense? The religious capital uh, of, of uh, you know, of, of, of Israel? No, it's a little town called Nazareth. I, has anybody ever been to Nazareth, been to Israel? Okay, okay. So, uh, Diane, you have been. Uh, is Nazareth a remarkable place? Oh, you didn't like it? Guess what? Did you know back then, a lot of people didn't like it either? In fact, when Nathaniel heard that Jesus had come from Nazareth, he said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? I mean, she doesn't like it now. They didn't like it then. 
Back then, it was much smaller than it is today. Uh, I've seen estimates. Uh, I've, I've heard estimates of anywhere from, from 50 up to 600. Now, why, you might ask, why is it such a broad range of 50 to 600? Well, we don't know. There was never an exact, exact count. But a lot of it depends, depends upon how far out they measured the numbers of people. But we're talking about it would have been a little bit like Palestine, Arkansas, when I was a kid growing up. You know, Palestine was about 600 people. Anybody ever hear of Palestine, Arkansas? Only from me. Okay. So it's not Palestine. It's Palestine, just so you know that. Okay. Uh, but, but I remember going there as a kid, and it was just a small town. And it was, it was funny. It was, it was kind of like Cheers, the bar. You know, everybody knows your name. Uh, and, and in Palestine, I was Buddy's boy. Okay. Because my dad, they called my dad Buddy. And, uh, but, you know, it was a very small, insignificant place. Um, and what God likes to do is he likes to take people from unlikely people from unlikely places, and he likes to do unlikely uh, things through them. It's like, you know, when you look through the scriptures, you know, is this consistent with what we see uh, taught elsewhere in the scriptures? And, and I, I think it is, is that, that, that we, we see this um, like, like David. Who would have picked a youth? Who would have picked a, a youth, a young man, to be the champion of Israel, against the champion of the Philistines, against a giant named Goliath. I wouldn't have chosen David. Nobody in David's day would have chosen him. Joseph's brothers, they despised him. They said, what are you doing here? What are you doing at the Babylon's? You don't belong here. Why aren't you taking care of our father's sheep? That's what his brother said. But God chose David. God chose an unlikely person to do something extraordinary. God chose, you know, on one occasion, God chose a little boy with five loaves of bread and two fish to feed a multitude of people. God chose this young teenage girl. We don't even let our young people get driver's license until they're 16. It's possible that she was holding the God of all creation in her arms at age 16. Imagine being entrusted with that kind of responsibility. The, the, the first thing I think we see in this text is, is that God works through unlikely people, and he works in unlikely ways. And, and by the way, that is a lesson for you, for me. See, I, I think sometimes we think the word of God, or excuse me, the, we think the work of God is for people like pastors. We do. We think it's for the religious professional. And I'm telling you, the work of God it's for every single person who follows Jesus. There's not an insignificant person in this room. There's not an insignificant work. We should never, never despise. We should never despise God's uh, place for another person in the work of his kingdom. And we should never despise our place on our part in the work of God's kingdom. You have an influence I don't have. You know people I don't know. There are people who will listen to you who will never listen to me. And God has chosen you and wants to work through you in unlikely ways. He has a purpose, a plan for you. Secondly, uh, you know, first, God works through unlikely people and in unlikely ways. But, but secondly, what I want you to see in the text is, is Jesus was no ordinary baby and his birth was no ordinary birth. And some of you are like, well, duh. You know, uh, but but Jesus was no ordinary baby. He was, um, according to Gabriel, 
Um, according to Gabriel, he was to be um, uh, he, he was to be be called uh, that he would be great. Uh, in, in verse 32, he'd be great. He'd be called the son of the most high, uh, that, that the Lord God would give him the throne of his father, David. God had promised to David in Second Samuel 2, or excuse me, Second Samuel 7, God had promised, God had promised uh, to, to David that he would raise up a son from David. That he would raise up a son who would reign from David's throne. Forever and ever. And, and what Gabriel is telling uh, Mary is your son, your baby, he's the man. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Uh, that, that will, this little baby is, um, he is to be called the son of God. That he is, uh, he will be holy. That this is no ordinary child that she's going to carry. And this baby is born in no ordinary way. You know, when it, it, it's fascinating, is Gabriel tells he 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 tells Mary, you are going to be pregnant and you're going to have this very very special child. And, and the response of Mary is, how 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 will this be? This is, that's a fair question. She says, how will this be since I have never known a man? I think most translations translate it as uh, I am a virgin. But the literal Greek words is I have never known a man. And that is uh, in, in common day vernacular is I've never had sex with a man. I've never been with a man. How, how will this be? Perfectly reasonable question, wouldn't you agree? How's this going to be? And and what Gable tells her is he says that um, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. We we read this in Matthew is that she conceived by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. This was no ordinary baby and this would be no ordinary birth third thing i want you to see in this text is is simply this is that nothing is too difficult for the lord nothing is too difficult for the lord and in uh you know with, with with mary she's asking this this question how can this be and finally what 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 the angel Gabriel tells mary in verse 36 even elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And then what the angel says is in verse 37, For no word from God will ever fail. That's, that's how the NIV translates this. I really prefer the translation of the New American Standard uh, Bible here. This is also the translation of the ESV uh, version of the Bible and several other translations. But I think it's a better translation of the phrase where it says this. It says, uh, For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. That, 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 that God can... Um, that, that nothing will be impossible to God. That, that, that creation, creation was not impossible for God. 
that bringing Israel out of Egypt when they had been oppressed, but for 400 years, ruthlessly enslaved. God brought them out of Israel, or brought Israel out of Egypt. That nothing is too difficult for the Lord. That, that, that Abraham and, and Sarah, uh, that, that they were 100 years old and 90 years old when, when Sarah gave birth. To Isaac. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Uh, the, the, the conception of John and Elizabeth was not too difficult for the Lord. The, the raising Jesus from the dead was not too difficult for the Lord. And bringing together, and, 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 and bringing from the womb of Mary... One who is fully God and fully man was not too difficult for the Lord. You know, if there are some religious traditions that kind of almost deify Mary, there are some religious traditions in liberal uh, elements of of the Christian church um, who almost, um, well, I I, I think what they teach is wrong, is they teach that... that, uh, that Mary was not, in fact, a virgin, which goes against the teaching of the Scriptures. She was a virgin. She was a virgin. And, and I like what, what Adrian Rogers said about this. Anybody you know who Adrian Rogers is or was? He's with the Lord now. Nobody? I Just me? Okay. Joy does. Okay. Uh, Adrian Rogers used to be the, the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. This was like a long time ago. And I can remember as a little kid, every once in a while, uh, I would go to see my, my grandparents in Palestine, Arkansas. And I remember every once in a while, we did not go to church at Old Fashioned Baptist Church, which was an incredible experience. If you've never been to Old Fashioned Baptist Church, my sister has been there. She knows, okay? Uh, Old Fashioned Baptist Church is a wonderful experience, all right? But every once in a while, we, there were a couple times where we stayed home. And I remember I used to love watching Adrian Rogers on TV when I was a little kid. And he was just this wonderful uh, old uh, Baptist pastor. I see he was old because I was a little kid. He's probably like 45 at the time, you know. But to me, he seemed really old, okay? But I, uh, one time, one time, Adrian Rogers said this. He said, if you have a hard time believing in the virgin birth, if you have a hard time believing in the virgin birth, then your God is too small. You know that? If you have a hard time believing in the virgin birth, your God is too small. You know, and, and I know I over-talk about this, but I, I think about the awesome size of our universe. I think about this, and I know you're getting tired of hearing this. Our universe is huge. It is 540 billion trillion miles across. That is really big. There are 100 billion trillion stars in this universe. And God made every bit of it simply by saying, let there be, and it was. And God holds it like a BB in his hand. There is nothing too difficult for our God. Let me ask you a question. What is difficult for you right now? See, this isn't just... An idea out there floating around in space until you go to be with Him. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. What is difficult for you right now? I, 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 there is this guy, his name is D.L. Moody. 
pastor of another generation um, back in the 1800s. But, but one time, a, a lady came to D.L. Moody, and she wanted to know, is there anything too small for me to pray about? And Moody's response was, what could you pray for that would be large to God? See, even the most difficult thing you face is, is nothing to a God for whom nothing is too difficult. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Fourth thing I want you to see in this text is this, that the right response to the message of God is humble surrender. Very, very interesting. Um, the, 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 the Greek word angel is angelos, okay? Uh, it has a meaning. The word has a meaning. You know what the, the meaning of the word angelos, angel, is? People are going to say, it's angel. <laughs> Actually, the Greek word means messenger. Did you know that? Now, somebody over here said it. I think Joy said it. But it literally means messenger, okay? And oftentimes, that the, the Greek word angelos is used to speak of a heavenly messenger, like Gabriel, like Michael. By the way, there are only two angels in the Bible who are mentioned by name. They are Michael and they are Gabriel. Michael is called an archangel. Many people believe that Gabriel was an archangel. The Bible never says that. But we do see Gabriel showing up a lot in the Gospels. And uh, he was God's principal messenger with regards at least to, uh, to that first Christmas. And, and But this word, angelos, is also used throughout the New Testament to speak of an earthly messenger quite, quite often. We see this like the, the ten angels of the ten churches in Revelation. Those were ten preachers of ten churches at that time. There were actually, excuse me, seven. Did I say ten? There were seven churches. There were seven angels. They were the seven messengers, preachers of the seven churches. Literal churches at the time that, that John wrote the book of Revelation with literal preachers. And he was, God was giving them a literal message for them to live by in their time. And God brings messengers into our lives. God brings messengers into our lives, and He brings a message into our lives, and this is the message of God. And whether you are reading it for yourself, or you are hearing it read, whether you are studying it for yourself, or you're hearing it explained, there is a message here for you from God. And every time, every time, you sit before a pastor or any Bible teacher when his Bible is open and he is reading for you the Word of God. There is a real message for you in this moment. The holiest thing you can do is to listen carefully to the Word of God. Do we, need, we need to be like Mary. How does Mary listen to the Word of God? You know, this is really fascinating to me. When you go back and you read this, and, 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 and the way that, that, that Gabriel speaks the Word of God to Mary, is he says to her, greetings, literally the Greek word, rejoice. Greetings, rejoice. You are 
highly favored. You. 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 you, Every person in this room, you are highly favored. Yet was Mary highly favored? Yes, she was. Guess what? You are highly favored. This, this word that to be highly favored is it, it comes from the word of grace. You are highly graced. Did you know that? You are highly favored. Guess what? God's message to you today is this: The Lord is with you. Greetings. Rejoice, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. God is speaking to you. He is saying, rejoice. You are highly favored. Not just Mary. You are. You are special to God the way Mary was special to God. Rejoice. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. I don't know where you're facing, but the Lord is with you. He wasn't just with Mary. He is with you. Some of you may be a little perplexed right now. Guess what? Mary was too. She was perplexed by the message. She was perplexed. That's what the Bible says. And she pondered. She wondered. I'm sorry. I am a Greek nerd. I apologize. But the Greek word here is legizomai. Oh, excuse me. Dialogizomai. Okay? It's kind of like, have you ever heard the word dialogue? Okay? Same kind of word. What it means is it means to reason. It means to ponder. It means to mull over. It means to think deeply. This is for us, how we are to hear the Word of God every week. We're not just to let the words wash past us. We are to be reasoning the Word in our hearts and our minds, pondering the way Mary did, that this is how we receive the Word of God. That we are to hear the Word of God with an insatiable desire to understand, to know, to discern, to grow. That, 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 that one of the things that Mary does is she, she questions, how will this be? And you know, I, I've, there are a couple different ways people question. I don't know if you have noticed this. You know, some people, they're, they're, they question like they're, they're looking for uh, a reason to reject the messenger. They listen looking for a reason to reject the messenger, or they listen looking for a reason to reject the message. These were the religious people of Jesus' day. They would listen, but they were looking for a reason to reject the messenger. They were looking for a reason to reject the message. And they questioned him. It was not the questioning of people with an insatiable desire to learn. It was the questioning of people who were looking for a reason to ignore the messenger and to ignore the message. Mary, however, listened and questioned. But her questioning wasn't looking for a reason to reject the message. It was, it was a questioning where she was looking to understand better what God is doing 
and how God's going to do something that's absolutely spectacular. She had an insatiable desire to learn, to grow in wisdom, discernment, understanding of what God was doing. And finally, the way Mary hears and listens to the Word of God is she does this. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That when we hear the word of God in the reading of the scriptures, in the teaching of the scriptures, we are to finish every Sunday saying, I am the servant of the Lord. May his word to me be fulfilled. I'm going to go ahead and invite the the worship team to come on back up. And and I'm going to pray for us. It is, I said at the beginning of our message, it's good for us to remind ourselves of the mighty acts of God. It is. It's good for us to, uh, to, to try to look at the stories of Scripture with fresh eyes. What I want you to understand today is that God works through unlikely people in unlikely ways. That means he wants to work through you. Uh, Jesus was no ordinary baby, and his birth was no ordinary birth. He is the fullness of God who took on the fullness of our humanity to become the atoning sacrifice for our sin. That nothing is too difficult for the Lord, and the right response to the message of God is humble surrender. Let's pray. God, you are great, you are awesome, and you are good. You are always faithful. Lord, we are so grateful for what uh, Christmas represents, the the birth of Jesus. That, That you, the Lord Jesus Christ, you being fully God, with all the divine attributes of God, you took on the fullness of our humanity. Uh, that you lived a perfect, sinless life so that you might become an atoning sacrifice for our sin. So that you might save us. Uh, God, for this, we are hugely grateful. Lord, help us to be more like Mary and how we lean into your message. Help us, God, each week as we hear the word of God taught, or each day as we open up the scriptures and listen to the word. Help us each day, God, and each week to say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word for me be fulfilled in me. I pray these things in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, church, I have a few just kind of announcements of what's happening around the church this week. Um, So next Sunday is Christmas. Wow. So Christmas Eve, we're excited to, we are going to be hosting um, our candlelight Christmas service on Christmas Eve, 6 p.m., here at the church. Um, you know, as we've been preparing for Christmas, Advent is Advent is that looking forward to what's to come. We are looking forward. We, uh, you know, we celebrate where we're, we were looking forward to Christ's birth, and then, of course, we're also celebrating, um, looking forward to when Jesus is coming back. But we want to invite you to come. We are a family. This church is a family, and Christmas is about family. So we want to celebrate our Savior with our church family. So come and celebrate with us the hope and joy and love we have because of the birth of our Savior. I want to encourage you to invite your family. Bring friends. Bring your neighbors where we can celebrate together. So Christmas Eve here at the church, 6 p.m.
So Christmas Day, we're doing something new and different. We're having a virtual service. So what that means is that you get to stay home in your fuzzy socks, in your pajamas, with your hot coffee or cocoa, whatever you do, with your family, with your loved ones, and we're going to come into your home virtually. So what we're asking you to do is to um, have a wonderful time with your family that morning, and at 10 a.m., turn on your phone or your TV if you if you um, stream it to your TV, but join us through Facebook or YouTube because we, uh, the, the, your pastors and some staff, we want to come into your home this Christmas. We want to join you in your home, and we're excited to meet you there. So 10 a.m., you're going to turn on YouTube and Facebook, and we're going to come into your home, and we're going to celebrate Christmas with you. We have a very special message for you, and we're looking forward to doing that. So uh, starting off um, in 2023... Um, that's just around the corner as well. We, how many of you here want to um, draw closer to God? How many? Okay, so yeah, we do. And that's our goal, right, is to draw closer to God. So in 2023, at the very beginning of January, we're going to have a spiritual campaign. Gary mentioned a little earlier. And, and what is the campaign? It's something that we do for a common goal. And our goal is to know God's purpose for us. And to draw closer to God. So we're going to be kicking off 40 Days of Purpose. And like Gary mentioned, there's going to be a lot of groups. There's going to be several women's groups, co-ed groups, men's groups. And not only are we going to meet on Sunday mornings, but we're going to meet together weekly. Um, seeking God. What a, what a great way to start the year, right? Seeking God and how that sets up your year. Um, so we're going to seek God together. So we're going to have um, some sign-ups in the back starting here soon. So be looking for that. And I want to encourage you, get plugged into a group. Get plugged in. Sunday mornings are awesome, but I've often said this. Um, we're going to grow and connect more in a circle than we are in, in, in rows. So um, that's what happens in a small group is we can circle up and we can grow together. And finally, uh, speaking of worship, we're going to continue our service right now, our, our worship with our giving. Um, first of all, thank you so much. You are a generous church, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. And thank you for your giving. Um, giving is a very tangible way of reminding ourselves that everything we have comes from God. Everything. You know, I, 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 when we sit around at our, our table or after I go grocery shopping, I look at my refrigerator, I'm like, wow, you know, God, you are so good. that We can just open that up, and, and there's there's an abundance of food. And God is a giving God, and everything we have is from him. Our abilities to work, to make to make you know our income and all of that, that's all from God. And giving, it's that way for us to practice not only generosity, but also gratitude. And it's a way for us to refocus our priorities on giving to the Lord first place, giving God that first place in our life. And so we appreciate all, the, all of you who have faithfully um, given to um, our mission of making disciples. And um, there's several ways that you can give. It's up there on the screen. It's on the app. It's on our website. So we just want to um, thank you for your generosity. We're going we're gonna to finish 2022 strong. And um, I want to just remind you that and, uh, to I'll invite you and grow with us in 2023. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carolyn. Well, folks, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand right now, please. 
And I am uh, I'm so thankful for this opportunity we have right now to close out our service and put a smile on your face with a rousing rendition of Jingle Bells featuring our guest, solo trumpeter Jeremiah Mikola. Here we go. We're going to do a little singing first. Feel free to join us. Jingle bell. Start dashing. Dashing through the snow in a one horse open sleigh. Over the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride! it again. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun We'll see you back here at 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve, everybody. Have a great week.